Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of What in the World. I am your host, Monica Russell, and today we're just going to get into a couple different topics. Um, starting out, I want to talk about what this podcast is, what I plan to bring to you, and what I want um, really to open the conversation about and have awareness of. Um, on today's episode, I feel like it's really important that we discuss the climate crisis and the changing of the world around us and the environment around us and how important it is that we pay attention to this and that we try to take action where we can. Um, so throughout this this podcast series, I'm planning to hopefully bring you on ways that we can try to tackle these things or we could just be more um, aware or what we can try to do to mitigate the changes. Uh, you know, unfortunately... There's a lot that's so far out of our control, and we are just humans living this little blip of time, and in this little blip of time, we are dealing with the consequences of years of overproduction of CO2. We're living with years of just, you know, big big companies, big corporations, big, big money not caring about the environmental impacts or the impacts to human life, um, you know, so like I said, starting out, I want to talk about some of the climate change and the different events that were occurring. Uh, one of those big things that has been fascinating me since 2020 is the increase in hurricanes. OK, I live in the Midwest. I don't have to worry about hurricanes personally because I'm not on a coastline, especially not on the East Coast. However, I still think it's crucial and important that we're paying attention to this because the increased frequency of hurricanes and how much more often that they're happening and uh, having more frequently storms back to back, these are things that we need to be paying attention to. Okay, again, we, we can't control how warm the water is. The water is warm because the earth is warm. Uh, my sister said earlier that it's like the ocean has a fever. Okay. So actually, as we're switching into an El Nina year, uh, we're going to be experiencing different like heat waves, things along those lines, all because the ocean's hot. OK, we we are aware of this. I feel like I don't have to get into depth on why the waters are warm. We know that they're warm. OK, if you don't live under a rock. Um, but just for an example, let me tell you about the increase of hurricane. Here's a couple statistics for you. OK. 2020 was the most active hurricane system on record with 30 named storms. 2021 saw storms forming even before the start of the hurricane season. And this is per an Insider News article. OK, so Hurricane Ida, which was in 2021, reached miles per hour of 150 mile per hour winds and seven feet of storm surge. I think that it's also important that when we talk about hurricanes, that we also talk about storm surge, because that is the amount of water that comes in with the hurricane, okay? So as the hurricane is picking up speed, as it's getting out there, you know, it's hot, hot, it's hot air, moisture comes up into the clouds, it starts to create its storm as it kind of turns, and it's not officially a hurricane until it's 74 miles per hour. Once it's reached 74 miles per hour, NASA and the hurricane services, they they monitor it, right? Because now it's now it's a hurricane. And again, we're talking about hurricanes. If we're looking at America and looking on our East Coast side here in the Pacific Ocean, I believe it starts in the Atlantic Ocean. It's a typhoon. So along those lines, 
don't quote me if I need to. I'll pull that back up and fact check myself. But it is called uh, the storm. It's the same storm, but it's called different things in different parts of the world, depending on where you're at. So I'm referring to hurricanes because we're looking at it from an American view and from looking at how it's going to affect our East Coast. Okay, because our East Coast is getting wrecked from Texas to like North South Carolina is just getting smashed with hurricanes. And with that, some people think, oh, because the eye of the storm is not near me or I'm not underneath the spinning clouds, I'm going to be okay. But that's where the storm surge is really important that is talked about because that's all the water that the, that the storm is bringing in. Also, hurricanes uh, recently, due to the warm water, warm water also means that more moisture is being absorbed up into the clouds. Okay, so there's more evaporation. There's more water being stored, which is also resulting in excessively heavy rain downpours in this area. So you're getting a mixture of the ocean coming in, that seven feet of water coming in, and you're also dealing with the immense amount of rain that the hurricane storm clouds are bringing. Okay, so you don't have to be necessarily right in its trajectory or right in the storm's eye to to experience these storms. Okay, since 1979, studies show that hurricanes likeliness have increased by 15 percent. Okay, that is a significant increase. And the thing is that we need to be more prepared for these store hurricanes used to start in June and now we're starting to see them in May. So not only are they becoming more frequent and more intense, we're also seeing them earlier and they're lasting longer. Okay. Since 1980, America has lost more than $945 billion to damage caused by hurricanes. $945 billion. You'd think that at that amount of cost that it would kind of get our government's attention, that they would start to take this more seriously. Uh, you know, you would think that the frequent fires happening in California constantly would make their attention. You know, I know Canada is also burning. We can talk about them, too, because, you know, they're on the northern continent with us. But I would love to see more government action in Canada. I'm not sure what they're doing. Sorry, I can only speak from what I'm seeing in America. But, you know, it, it these things need to be, um, you know, talked about more significantly. Hurricane Harvey costed $125 billion in damages. Hurricane Katrina costed $161 billion in damages. And we all know a lot of those areas all don't get picked up. They don't all get cleaned. I mean, the cost is so extensive. Insurance companies can't cover all this stuff. So it's like, how can we try to make this better? Can we start building less on the coastline? You know, just because people want a good view of the ocean, that's awesome. But, I mean, we can't always be putting a per, like people's needs before the environmental needs. You know, it doesn't make logical sense to continue to build on the coastline or build up along places that are being stripped and torn down. I mean, they're already guessing that we're going to lose a matter of feet off of our entire coastal line because of the rising waters and because of these storms. I mean, we just should be building more back in. I mean, they've tried to build more hurricane resistant structures, but I don't know many structures that can withstand 150 mile an hour winds. Okay, I don't know many structures that can withstand seven feet of storm damage. I mean, maybe if you built like a cinder block square that was like starts in the ground so it doesn't get well, I don't even know. Like it's and concrete absorbs water, though. So, I mean, 
it's not going to be too helpful. Um, there has been some local government response in some of these areas where they are trying to take those um, the extensive of, you know, like I said, prepping a building to be more hurricane resistant or whatever. Uh, but yeah, by 2075, the cost could increase by over 40 percent. And by 2075, it will also be. Oh, sorry, let me retake. By 2075, the cost could increase by 40%, and the uh, frequency of these storms could increase by over 25%. Okay, so we could be seeing hurricanes for a longer period of time and more storms back-to-back, which are like super storms, okay? I will be 81 in 2075. That was the little math that I did. Um, so, yeah, so I very, I, I'm fascinated by hurricanes. I think they're marvelous creations of nature marvelous and terrifying at the same time i mean the ocean is incredible the ocean is so powerful i'm so fascinated by the depths of the ocean like to a way that my consciousness can't even like comprehend because it's so so amazing and we we as uh as an air breathing human species may never really get to see and understand all of the depths and the power of the ocean i mean she is a mother to be you know to be afraid of so I like the ocean. I'll be out there on a boat, maybe. I've only seen the ocean actually a, a handful of times. I, I live right on a lake. I'm a lake girl. I love the water. Love the water. Love lakes. I'm cool with lakes. I can swim. I can play in them. I can, you know, whatever. Oceans are a whole nother game. I mean, the fact that you've got, like, jellyfish and stuff even at the shore that could, like, harm you to me is indication. Those jellyfish are meant to be, like, a warning sign, you know? Like, you don't need to go past the jellyfish. Um, surfers would probably be discouraged by this because, I mean, you live in the water as well. Um, but also, you know, that that's awesome. That's awesome. The frequency of intense storms will increase, explains by Nina Lane, a climate scientist at Princeton University. Studies like this one offer important information on how to protect people from the rights of of climate change. It matters where people live and what the housing looks like. Right now, hurricane-prone areas such as Florida are seeing some of the fastest population growth in the country. The financial industry and the insurance industry risk and, oh, sorry, the financial industry, the insurance industry, and homeowners need to adapt to the increasing hurricane risk. This is coming from a new study uh from an NPR article, okay? So it's saying going back to 1949, uh, we could see storms look like in twenty in 2100. Also in recent years, we've been experiencing an increase in volcanic activity. Why are we hearing of eruptions more frequently? Well, it could be due to the melting glaciers. An article published in scientificamerican.com in 2017 states, Scientists have noted volcanic eruptions tend to increase as glaciers melt. In a recent study published in Geology, researchers looked at smaller scale changes in glacial coverage to see if these incremental differences had any effect. The article continues, although scientists do not fully understand why glaciers appear to weaken volcanic eruptions, They believe the mechanics may be fairly straightforward. When glaciers expand, all that ice puts immense pressure on Earth's surface. It can affect magma flow in the Earth between crevices and voids. 
where magma flows to the surface, as well as how much magma the crust can actually hold, Swindell says. When glaciers retreat, the pressure lifts and volcanic activity surges. So what the article is explaining is that the ice, the glaciers, put an immense amount of pressure on the Earth's surface, as you could believe. You know, water's pretty heavy in itself, frozen water, ice, pretty heavy. Hard, glacier, heavy on the Earth's surface, on the Earth's crust. And that is compressing any activity or any magma flow that's going on beneath the Earth. It's keeping it compounded and keeping it in where it's at. Okay, when the glaciers recede, that is how come you get to see more volcanic activity. After glaciers are removed, the surface pressure decreases and the magma more easily propagate to the surface and erupt. So as we're aware, in recent years, we've lost a lot of glaciers due to the global warming and things along those lines. So there's not nearly as much pressure, ice, and glaciers on the Earth's crust as there was before. Um, also, when this heavy weight falls off into the ocean, also the land that it was on does tend to like kind of spring up, like it gets a little bit more buoyant in the ocean. Okay, and that is also why we see an increase in earthquakes because this pressure, this landmass that was in its spot for thousands of years, the ice is removed, the land is lighter, things shift. There's a lot of shifting in the Earth's crust and in the continents. Now, that's nothing new. We all have seen maps of like 1500 whatever when like the world was more like put together. I mean, everything used to be one gigantic landmass and then it's been divided out into the seven continents that it is now. So the movement in earthquakes, this is nothing new. I think we're just living and experiencing a new era, a new birth for our Earth. Okay, I like that. Birth for our Earth. So anyway, um, the removal of the glaciers would be, you know, that we're applying the pressure, keeping the lava in the Earth, are now removed. So the lava flow can be unsuppressed to Earth's surface. An increase in earthquake activity can also start volcanic activity. So just as I mentioned, earthquakes also do often go hand in hand with volcanoes. Earthquakes also go hand in hand with tsunamis. Okay, but we're not talking about tsunamis on this episode today. We're talking about volcanoes. Now, I'm probably going to butcher this name. I'm going to do my best. The Reykjanes Peninsula in Iceland is a system of volcanoes that formed during the last glacial period. It expands three to 10 miles wide. That is 176 football fields, by the way, did the math for you. So 176 football fields wide to cover that 10 miles. Okay. The peninsula sat undisturbed since its arrival in the glacial period. It sat undisturbed for six millennia or 800 years until a series of earthquakes from 2019 to 2021 woke her up. On March 19th, 2021, a major eruption took place. Thankfully, the peninsula is in a protected state park, so no one was harmed, harmed during this eruption. However, volcano, uh, volcano enthusiasts and local community members did flock to the state park to take pictures and videos of the eruption from a safe distance. They're smart. Um, you actually find YouTube videos of it. Um, again, it is the 
Reykjanes Peninsula, R-E-Y-K-J-A-N-E-S. And I'm sure I am butchering that terribly as I do not speak Icelandic. Um, but you can find really fascinating videos of people that took footage on the day of that eruption if that interests you. Okay. There is Mount Etna in Italy, which is Europe's largest stratovolcano, which last erupted in August 2023. There is Volcan di Fuego in Guatemala, which erupted unexpectedly in 2018. It was the most powerful eruption since 1974. It caused a lot of damage and a lot of lives were lost. Okay. In June 3rd, 2018, a pyroclastic flow descended on the Las Lejas Ravine. Over 200 people perished. Locals estimate that number to be closer to 2,000, considering that there were communities buried entirely beneath the lava flow. Okay, anthropologists worked with local officials to help identify body using DNA methods, um, since unfortunately it became very hard to distinguish um, any any traits to help figure out who people were. Uh, the community went through a lot during this time. There was some political strife. They received aid from Red Cross. Um, if you're interested in about it, there's a really great week. Wikipedia article that can give you some more information on exactly how Guatemala handled that disaster. It was the most deadly on record since the eruption of Volcan Santiguo in 1929. Now, if we're all familiar with Hawaii or Hawaii or Hawaii, Hawaii, <laughs> I went to Hawaii for the first time uh, about two years ago now absolutely beautiful place. My family and I were visiting family friends on the island of Oahu. Um, it was beautiful. I absolutely loved it. I felt like I was in paradise. Um, and it was really beautiful to see all the natural cultures and the communities that are within the Hawaiian people. Um, and I think that's something that tourists or other white settlers, we should all respect more. We should give them their space, let them have their land, um, you know, not dig stuff up and whatever, but I guess that's a topic for another day, right? What people are doing to the land of Hawaii and to the Hawaiian people. However, I digress. Uh, we're going to talk about how on their big island, which is like Hawaii, right? On that big island, there is a volcano called Kiluiea. And again, I'm sorry, I'm terrible pronunciations. I was in Hawaii and I could not pronounce half of their street signs or anything. It was beautiful to listen to them speak it. I sounded like a crazy person trying to pronounce it. But Kilauea is one of Hawaii's most active volcanoes. It's actually actively erupting today. It's almost always erupting. Um, you can watch a live stream on YouTube if you are so inclined which is kind of cool. I went to it. I was watching it. And literally nothing was happening. It was just a little camera looking at the ground, a little smoke here and there, but not actively erupting or anything. However, in May of 2018, the unthinkable happened. On May 3rd, it began eruption. May 4th, ex they experienced a 6.9 magnitude earthquake that hit Puna, which was the town just on the base of the volcano. A few days later, over two, um, over a few days later, 
the volcanic activity shifted down within the volcano. Okay, so instead of most of the activity in the magma coming out the top of the volcano, it shifted down and actually started to burst through vents that were along the side of the volcano. Over 20 vents and fissures opened up on the side of Kiluea. <laughs> the surrounding area was immediately evacuated. They were able to evacuate over almost 2,000 people. Damage extended for miles, melting nearby neighborhoods, power lines, infecting water mains. Okay, I looked at the pictures of this while I was doing research for this episode, and uh, the pictures were incredible to say the least. I mean, you could see on the beautiful green rainforesty land that is Hawaii, it was just this big black mass just the from all of the lava that had poured out and just was burning everything down in its path. Um, the aerial shots of the island looked so different. And you could just see miles and miles of just dark black lava flow um well you know dried because when it's lava it's obviously bright orange but so it was just this huge black trail going all the way down into the pacific ocean actually where you could see it steaming and like fiery and just incredible just watching it flow off into into the uh into the water um thankfully they were able to evacuate people however communities were just ravaged by this and it was a very tragic time it it's very hard for the island of Hawaii. Okay, it destroyed over 700 homes and destroyed Hawaii's largest freshwater lake. So what's next for volcanoes? Will Yellowstone National Park erupt? I feel like they've been predicting that eruption for quite some time. Or maybe it'll be Italy's supervolcano, Campi Flegrei, <laughs> F-L-E-G-R-E-I. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that concludes my very first episode of What in the World. I hope you have enjoyed. I hope you've maybe learned some new information today. I think that's the best case scenario. Hopefully you learned something. Um, I cannot wait to bring more information to you all. I've, I've got a couple more ideas cooked up in my pot here. I think I've got a couple more that are based on the climate and the inter inter um, environmental impacts, as that just is incredibly fascinating to me with the way that our Earth is changing. Whether it's due to humans or just naturally changing, I mean, you know, who can... We can't really be 100% positive, but it doesn't matter. I think the changing of our Earth is absolutely fascinating. Nature's absolutely fascinating. I'll be bringing you more on that topic. Also, maybe we'll talk about daylight savings and why that exists. I don't know. I guess you're just going to have to stay put. See what else I bring out to you. I thank you all for listening. It's been real. Until next time, ciao.